Life Audio. broken. In spite of what you may have been through in your life, the experiences that you might even today carry around, things in your past, stuff that happened back there that you can't seem to get over, in spite of all of that, you are not broken. Trauma is something that is common to all of us. It is part of being alive. The question is, how do we move beyond the trauma that we experience? We understand from a creation perspective that we are not broken. We're exactly what God has created us to be. But that trauma comes into our lives and prevents us from fully being what he has created us to be. How do we move forward in the face of trauma? We're going to cover that and so much more in today's episode of the March or Die Show. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hello and thank you for joining me today on the March or Die podcast. Glad to have you joining me and uh, really looking forward to what I believe will be a helpful episode for you today. We're going to talk about something that afflicts all of us, and that is hardship, trauma, trial, difficulty, and we are going to discuss what the Bible says and how we can move forward in spite of that. Again, I do want to thank you for joining me and ask you to do something very important that will be helpful to me and helpful to this show. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please do that now. You are listening from somewhere. Go ahead and subscribe. Please take a second just to do that. That would be fantastic. And then, so I guess I'm asking for two things. The first thing, hopefully you've already done, subscribe to this podcast. But beyond that, if you know someone that would benefit from this show, you have a friend, a family member, someone that you know that has not yet Uh, gotten on board with listening to the March or Die show, maybe because they don't know about it yet, would you share this episode with them? Please do what you can do to reach out to others and help them know about this content. I do my very best to produce content that will be helpful. And I believe there are a lot of other folks who need to get in on it. And you can do me a tremendous favor and a tremendous favor to the show by reaching out 
and letting folks know what we are doing. Uh, that would be very, very helpful. Uh, as that audience grows, that gives me an added capacity to help and produce and get this content to you. So please take some time, if you would, reach out to those that you know that need to know about the March or Die show. That would be fantastic. Today we're going to discuss a topic that is very meaningful, hopefully, to all of us as we understand that this topic, the topic of trauma, is one that we're all acquainted with. Whether we personally dealt with what we would consider trauma or we know someone who has uh, this is a very important topic. Uh, to me, in the work that I do with the Mighty Oaks Foundation, working with veterans and those who are serving in the military and those who are serving in our first responder community, this is an especially important topic. Uh, this is something that for the last more than 10 years, just over 10 years, uh, I have been fully invested in working with folks who are suffer suffering from dealing with trauma and asking the question, how do we move beyond that? We're not going to forget it. We're not going to get over it. <laughs> uh, this is something that will be with us. Our past is our past. Our memories of the past are what they are. It's not a question of getting past it or over it or forgetting it. But how do we move forward in spite of it? Uh, and that is such an important question. Here on the March or Die show, if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that we discuss principles and perspectives for moving forward when it seems like life is out of control. That's what we talk about every episode on this show, sometimes with guests and sometimes it's just me relaying principles. But we discuss how in life we can decide if we want to that things have become so overwhelming we no longer want to go forward. We can stay where we are and die. We can do that. We can make that decision. Or we can do the better thing. What is the better thing? The better thing is putting one foot in front of the other and marching. Moving to a better place. Moving to a place where we can actually impact the enemy in front of us. One of the issues that I have learned <laughs> over the last several years that prevents people from moving forward is this issue of trauma. Something's happened in life. Something's happened in childhood. Something ha has happened back there. And because of that, moving forward, marching becomes overwhelmingly difficult. The number of folks that really blame what has happened to them for where they are in their lives, who are either unwilling or unable to move forward, and they go back to that event over and over as the reason. This is such an important topic. And I hope that you will uh, listen to this, that you'll get a hold of this, and again, that you will share this out with others. It's amazing how trauma affects us. Uh, I tell a story sometimes of the early days of the war in Iraq. For those that have listened to this show, you know that I served with 1st Battalion, 5th Marines. We were the Marine Infantry Battalion that made our way into Iraq. We breached the berm and moved into southern Iraq, securing the southern objective and uh, did all of those things. It was a crazy time, as you can imagine. Moved into the country in the middle of the night. And we just kept moving. And for several days we did. March 19th, we breached the berm, moved into the country, and uh, made our way into that area, secured that objective, and then continued moving north until late in the evening of March 23rd. So several days later, we hadn't slept. We had moved a lot. 
Everything was new. A lot of it was overwhelming. We were dealing with so many different issues. And now, all at once, we were stopped. March 23rd, that night was very, very dark. (laughs) It was also cold outside. I communicate those two facts because it's interesting now, 20 years later. In spite of the fact that time has passed, that the event I'll relate to you really wasn't one that was dangerous to me personally. If I find myself in a very dark night, there's not much ambient light, it's dark outside, maybe it's a little bit cold in the air, my mind and my body automatically take me back to this moment. I, I think about this uh, it's something so strange. It's weird how trauma <laughs> affects us. March 23rd, I know the date for a few reasons. One of the reasons is that we were sitting on the road as the Battle of an was taking place. Uh, Some listening may have been there, served there uh, while it was taking place, but a lot of Marines were there. The Army had some folks there. Uh, This was the night that Jessica Lynch, if you're familiar with the story, Jessica Lynch, that young, young Army soldier was captured. She was taken prisoner of war. Uh, Eventually, she would be rescued, but that happened on that night. Also, March 23rd, as the Battle of An-Nazaria unfolded, several Marines were killed. It was a crazy battle. So many crazy things happened on that night. It was insane. You can go read about it. I would encourage you to do that. As I sat there on the road in the middle of the night, as I mentioned, pitch black, cold, uh, these feelings, these emotions uh, connect with me. Uh, I sat there holding two radio handsets. One radio handset, I had two in my vehicle. One was listening to what was happening in the division. The division, 30,000 Marines, uh, all of what was being controlled in Nazaria. I could hear the chatter back and forth. And I heard about the soldiers being taken prisoner. I heard about the Marines being killed. Uh, I heard then in the other handset that I was holding, our internal radio, I could hear the conversations that were happening amongst those in our battalion. As I sat there that night and listened to these two handsets, uh, I had what can only be explained as a weight of fear drop down on top of me. Uh, Maybe you've experienced this. This was not an emotional, uh, mental ascent that I was afraid of what was happening. It was as if something physical and weighty, had dropped on top of me. I was overwhelmed in that moment. Just as fast as that fear came, though, I remember a verse that my dad had me memorize when I was a child. And uh, it's crazy. My dad used to have us memorize verses at the dinner table before we could get up. And I'm glad that he did. I don't remember memorizing this verse, but uh, here it was, Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. It was as if God was speaking to me directly in that moment. Fear thou not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yea, I will help you, yea, I will uphold you at the right hand of my righteousness. And just as quickly as that weight of fear came, it left as God spoke to me through his word. I tell that story to really highlight or illustrate the point that that happened 20 years ago. And yet it doesn't take much to trigger in my mind a response that becomes very emotional very quickly. I can be in a safe place, but if it's dark and if it's cool, the memory of that will come. And with that, the emotion of fear. It's crazy. Thankfully, that emotion of fear, wherever it happens, is also followed by that verse, Isaiah 41 and verse 10. But it all happens so quickly. And it's connected to a memory long ago for which I have no control over. 
I've learned over the years that trauma just works that way. It's amazing, and we're going to talk a little bit about the mechanism of trauma, but it's amazing how something so far in our past can have an impact on us today. And I know many, and I've experienced this even personally, uh, who have experienced traumas much greater than the one I described to you, and that trauma continues to have an impact on their life many years hence, since the event happened. I understand, as I look at the data around trauma, that even though I work with those who have served in the military or those who are in the first responder community, that trauma is not reserved for those who have served in uniform. We sometimes think it is. That's not the case. Using the clinical definition of trauma, uh, we are told that an estimated 70% of adults in the United States have experienced a traumatic event at least once in their lives. And up to 20% of these people go on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder. Isn't that amazing? An estimated 5% of Americans, more than 13 million people, have post-traumatic stress at any given time. Approximately 8% of adults, one of 13 people in the country, will develop PTSD during their lifetime. An estimated 1 out of 10 women will get post-traumatic stress at some time in their lives. Women are about twice as likely as men to develop post-traumatic stress disorder. Just a few statistics, and I don't throw those out there to diminish the experience of those who have served in the military or are serving in our communities. I don't want to diminish that. Those are the folks I work with. I've given my life to to serving them. But what I do want to do is, is illustrate the fact that trauma and the experiences of trauma, they're not unique. They are human. Therefore, these traumatic events don't make you broken. (laughs) They make you human. It's part of our condition. We could go to the sixth psalm, and I'll read these for you, these verses. I'll read verses 2 and then verse 6. But take some time when you get an opportunity and go to the sixth psalm. The psalmist is crying out, having experienced trauma in his life. He says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Have you ever experienced that? Maybe you are experiencing it right now. Uh, that, that place in life where you look to God and you say, God, how long am I going to have to deal with this? O Lord, how long? <laughs> In verse number 6, the psalmist says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. My eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all my enemies. This is a person crying out because of what they've been through. It's part of the human condition. And yet there are many, and I've, I've... conveyed this truth this way before, but there are many, and many within even uh, the Christian world, who would say we shouldn't talk about trauma. Or they'll say trauma is not found in the Bible. They'll dismiss it in spite of uh, me perhaps offering Psalm 6 as an illustration of someone crying out. They'll say, no, that's not trauma. That's something else. Uh, What about the stories of the Bible? Can you imagine the trauma of being Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve, the first humans created by God, put in an environment that was perfect. Placed in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. It was all so perfect, in fact, that every day, Genesis chapter 3 tells us, they spoke directly, face to face with God. They communed with God. They spent time with Him. 
with their creator. A perfect environment. No sin, no brokenness, no loss, no hurt. And yet they rebelled against God's word. They sinned against God. When they sinned, there was a penalty in part that penalty not to mention the penalty for sin and the death that it brought. Uh, There was a physical penalty. That penalty was being put outside of the garden, no longer able to go back into their home. And for the first time, this first man and woman found themselves in a place of confusion and brokenness and hurt and loss, something they had never experienced. Can you imagine the trauma of that? Not able to go back, not able to return, simply to deal with the consequences of their decision to rebel against God. Can you imagine? Imagine the trauma associated with being that first man and woman, the first husband and wife, the first father and mother, and coming upon the body of your slain son, your murdered son, your son who is murdered by another son. I can't imagine the trauma of that event. Overwhelming. We go forward a few chapters in the book of Genesis. We find perhaps the most traumatic story in all of the Bible, and yet it's one we highlight in our church nurseries for children. Big boat, lots of animals. The scene is very happy as we paint it on the wall of church nurseries, but the trauma of the events surrounding the great flood, I can't imagine. I mean, think about Noah as he built the ark for 120 years, did what God told him to do as he preached and he taught and he tried to encourage his friends and his family, those who were around him, uh, to understand what God said was coming and to get inside the boat when it was time, and yet they refused, they mocked, they laughed at him. Until finally, God took Noah and his family into the ark and God brought the animals into the ark and God closed the door. And it began to rain. (laughs) Rain was new, not something that had been seen or experienced, and yet here it was. I would imagine it didn't take long for the friends and family who had mocked Noah to realize what he had said was true, and it was going to get worse before it got better. Can you imagine the trauma of being inside of the ark as the friends and family outside screamed, asking for the door to be opened, perhaps banging on the side walls of that boat? Can you imagine what that must have been like? And is it any wonder that we find Noah self-medicating a few chapters from the recording of this story? Other examples that we could give, and yet we go to the New Testament and we find Jesus the only perfect human because he was all God, God incarnate, walking among us. Crying out in prayer, in agony because of the trauma of being murdered by his creation. Luke chapter 22 and verse 42 saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus, in his human state, dealing with the trauma of what was happening around him and to him. Why? Because trauma is human It is natural. It is normal. And experiencing it does not mean that we are broken. 
So the real question before us is this. If trauma is something that's common to all of us, how do we move forward following a traumatic, perhaps life-altering event? How do we move forward in the face of trauma? We're going to jump into that, uh, an example of what it is and how to move forward after these messages. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So how do we move forward in the face of a traumatic event? Or how do we move forward following a traumatic, perhaps life-altering event? What do we do? Well, number one, I would offer that we need to settle on a definition. This is one of the perhaps biggest reasons people struggle to get help. Because we don't know what we're talking about. We need to settle on a definition. When we talk about trauma, what exactly are we talking about? Um, there are kind of two extremes when we come to the definition of trauma, and these extremes, neither one is helpful. There is the extreme of a clinical definition. A person can say, I identify and can be defined clinically as having dealt with a traumatic event. And so, uh, unless you have also dealt with the traumatic event, unless you also know what it is to deal with trauma in this way, in a clinical way, according to the clinical definition, you can't help me. So that person ends up on an island. On the other end, there are the people who don't, uh, define, aren't defined by or aren't identified by a clinical definition. They've struggled, they're hurting, they need help, but they don't fall into that clinical definition. And so they're on another island where they say, well, apparently what I'm dealing with isn't bad enough to get help. <laughs> and now you have two people on two islands, neither one of them getting the help that they need. A definition is only as helpful as it is a bridge to go from where you are to where you need to be. That definition should serve as that bridge. So we need a definition. What are we talking about? Well, first of all, let's look at the clinical definition. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, version 5, DSM-5, defines trauma as exposure to death, threatened death, actual or threatened serious injury, 
or actual or threatened sexual violence. And now this is important to know and important to understand. If what you're dealing with can be connected to one of these events, then clinically you can be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress uh, or trauma, having experienced a traumatic event. That's great and it's helpful. But in my mind, it's too narrow. And this is the problem. It's too narrow. Looking at the word trauma, just that word trauma, it comes from a Greek word that means wound. That's important. I think that's helpful. The Greek word wound. So when we look at trauma, we know that trauma is any event that causes a wound, an injury to our mind, emotions, or spirit. You see, that's more helpful to me. In fact, functionally, and I like a functional definition, trauma is an event or series of events that pushes one beyond their ability to cope. Settling on a definition is very important. We could look at the clinical definition, and what that might do is alienate some and then put others in a position where they're only willing to get help from someone that falls into a clinical setting. But when we look at trauma functionally, we realize it's something in life that's caused a wound or an injury. It's an event or series of events that has pushed us beyond our ability to cope. So now I step back using that definition. Have you experienced or are you experiencing trauma? Maybe you are functioning, you're doing the things that you're supposed to do, but on the inside you're so broken because of what's happened. You know that you have been pushed because of something beyond your ability to cope. You're so overwhelmed. The thought of quitting, giving up, saying I'd rather die here than march. That thought, that voice is getting louder and louder. And you're getting to the point where you realize... I can no longer function this way. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 19, Jeremiah the prophet said, Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous, he says. But I said, truly this is a grief and I must bear it. Jeremiah, there's no two ways about it, was dealing with trauma in his life because of what was happening around him. How did he describe it? He said, I've got a wound that's grievous. I've got a grief and I need to bear it. Trauma is when the chain of an event attaches itself to you and prevents you from fully living the life that God desires for you. When the chain of an event attaches itself to you and prevents you from fully living the life that God desires for you. Uh, A chain, a chain of the past, a chain uh, to an event in the past. It doesn't keep you from moving. If you've ever seen maybe an animal uh, tied up to a post on a chain, they can move around. They can uh, do the things they need to do in their immediate area, but they can never fully live out who they were created to be or what they were created to be as an animal. And when we're chained to the past because of trauma... We're chained to a post in our yard, so to speak. We can move around, but we can never fully be what we were created to be. The crazy thing about that chain is that so often it's us hanging on to it. If we let go, we could move beyond, but we're chained to that event. Settling on a definition is important because it allows us to begin moving forward. No longer dismissing my hurt or dismissing my pain, dismissing my trauma. But understanding I'm in a place where something has to change. 
We then, number two, look at the impact. We understand the impact of trauma. I could spend really an entire episode of the podcast just on this. But we understand that God created us perfect. And I can't spend a lot of time developing this thought, but God created us perfect. We could go to Genesis and see that he looked at everything he created and it was perfect. But when Adam and Eve sinned, and Romans uh, chapter 5 and verse 12 tells us this, when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, death came into the world. That death was passed to all of mankind and took what God had made perfect and broke it. Part of that brokenness was a broken relationship with God himself. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross for our sin, to forgive our sin and to reconcile or to bring us back into relationship with God. But God made us perfect. It's sin that took what God made perfect and broke it. So when we consider even how God created us as humans, as it relates to trauma, we know that God created a system within us uh, that subconsciously stores information. This can be trained or it can be the result of a traumatic event, but it stores information. So when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, a, a dangerous situation, maybe a situation where there was loss of life or hurt, there was harm that came, something we would consider as traumatic, our brain subconsciously stores the information around that event. As I relayed the story earlier, perhaps it's uh, the environment outside. It's dark. Maybe it feels cold. Maybe the light is bright. There's something else happening. Maybe it's a smell. It's a sound. There's something going on. Your brain stores that information subconsciously. And later on, when you find yourself in a similar environment, although there may not be danger, it's similar enough, uh, maybe it's cold, maybe it's dark, maybe the smell is the same or the sound is the same, your brain has stored this information, and as a fail-safe, a way to keep you safe, to protect you, it kicks in and says, hey, last time we were here, something really bad happened. And now, even though you're in a different place and you're not in danger, your mind kicks your body into gear and there's perhaps increased respiration, maybe some sweating, maybe a focus, a hyper-focus on a particular aspect of your environment. Why? Because your body is remembering what happened. God created you in a way to keep you safe next time you found yourself in the same situation. It's an amazing mechanism. <laughs> It's a mechanism, again, that can be trained. And sometimes in law enforcement, uh, automatic responses are trained to keep one safe. In the military, it can be the same. In other places, we train these subconscious responses to environmental cues so that we can be safe. That's how God created it. The crazy thing is that sin breaks what God created for good. Uh, the right response at the wrong time becomes the wrong response. What happened and what is intended to keep us safe happens at a place where there is no danger and yet we respond as if, as if there is. Perhaps because of what happened and how we feel sometimes when those environmental cues kick in again, uh, we can blame what we're doing right now, our bad behavior on something in the past. Brokenness takes what God intended for good and creates chaos. So many that have experienced traumatic events are wreaking chaos on the world around them because of what God intended for good, but what is being used at an inappropriate time or in an inappropriate way. But what we need to understand from all of that 
is that you responding to trauma or a traumatic event does not make you broken. Viktor Frankl is someone I reference a lot. Maybe you've heard me talk about him before. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, and Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist, and as a young psychiatrist during the Second World War, was interred in a concentration camp. He's Jewish. In the process of all of that, his wife was interred in another concentration camp. She and their unborn child were killed. He spent over four years in this concentration camp and and watched the way people responded to the things that were going on. Extremely traumatic environment, as we all understand. And he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning, in part to discuss that, to break that down. He made this statement in that book, an abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal behavior. (laughs) That's great. An abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal behavior. What does that mean? It means that if you are responding to an abnormal situation... You are responding normally. You are not broken. Now that is not suggested to uh, give you an excuse for your bad behavior. There is no excuse for bad behavior. Uh, This is not to wish away or speak away what you're dealing with or what you're going through or what you're feeling. That's not the intention here. It is only to explain or illustrate that God created in you something that was designed for your good. That good can be perverted or broken. But you responding to a bad situation doesn't make you broken. Why is that important? Because if you think you're broken, you will never get well. You're broken. But when you realize that it's the trauma that is broken and not you, you can begin to heal and to move forward. You are not broken. Your trauma is broken, but you responding to it is absolutely normal. Again, we could spend a lot of time there, but we'll continue. We've settled on a definition, an event or series of events that pushes one beyond their ability to cope. We realize there is a real impact. There's a psychological and emotional, physical impact. Much of that comes from what God created for good as a way to deal with the traumas of the past, to keep us safe in the present. But that the right reaction at the wrong time becomes the wrong reaction But in all of that, responding to trauma doesn't make us broken. All right, so how do we move forward? Number three, I want to make a simple statement (laughs) that may sound oversimplistic, but we'll unpack it. How do you move forward with those things in mind? You need to refuse to be broken. You say, if it was that easy, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Let me explain. But so much of this begins with making a decision. Viktor Frankl, in his book, also said this, as he's observing people in a concentration camp setting, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms... To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstance. To choose one's own way. Between stimulus and response, there is space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. 
so much of letting go of that chain that has us bound to the past, so much of healing and moving forward is making a decision that I will refuse to be broken. Depending on your trauma, there may be specific tools that are needed, specific applications or techniques that need to be employed, depending on your trauma and what you've dealt with and maybe even what you're dealing with. But the underlying solution is the same. Refuse to be broken and get the help you need to move forward. Understanding that we are all spiritual beings and need to deal with trauma in a spiritual way. How do I refuse to be broken? All right, you say it. (laughs) You make it sound so simple. It's not simple. This can take a lifetime. All right, well, how do I do it? Number one, realize that it is good to talk about what you have been through and seek out those who will understand. Realize that it is good to talk about what you have been through and seek out those who will understand. This is where we begin because many who are dealing with trauma and the impacts of trauma, they isolate, they refuse to talk, and even though they may be doing damage to the people around them because of their trauma, they're not going to voice what they're experiencing, what they've been through, uh, what they're feeling. Realize it is good to talk about what you have been through and seek out those who will understand. Revelation 12 and verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved him not Uh, loved not their lives unto the death. I love this. The Bible says the accuser of the brethren comes, Satan comes, and he whispers in your ear, you're not good enough. What you've been through is is just too much. That trauma is overwhelming. You can't heal from that. Or what you've done to others is too much. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's accusing you. And the Bible tells us that what overcomes the accuser is Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb, and the power of the word of testimony. Man, that's amazing. Why? Because our testimony is our story. And as we voice that story, what we're voicing is this has happened, but God is bigger and there is a way to move forward. We take what's rolling around in our minds and we bring it out through our mouth. We voice it. It organizes those thoughts. It puts them in a place where we can process better. It puts us around people who can hear, who can receive, who care for us, who can encourage us. Talk about what you've been through and seek out those who will understand. That's the starting point. Number number two, how do I refuse to be broken? Number two, well, refuse to allow the past to define you. Look, I wish there was an easier way to say this. But you have to at some point decide that the past is in the past and you are not going to continue to allow it to define you. Perhaps you have survived something in your past, but to say you are a survivor is to be defined by that event, to allow it to continue to shadow your life. You're someone who has survived and continued to move forward. Stop going back to that. Stop blaming that. Stop hanging on to that. Let go of the chain. Refuse to allow the past to define you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation, the Bible says. And yet in so many ways, we love to hate (laughs) our trauma. 
We identify with it because it's comfortable somehow, as horrible as it can be. Uh, not that long ago, I was watching uh, the show. It's a reality show. I think it's still on TV. It's called Hoarders. Maybe you've seen it. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. I was watching this show, and I wa- I've watched one episode, and I was watching this with my kids, and I told them then to go clean their rooms because they are hoarders, and they <laughs> need to get a hold of it. They like to watch other people, but they need to take care of their own stuff. But I was watching the show, and there was this lady who had accumulated so much stuff in her house that she couldn't even get to the bathroom anymore. So she just took care of things where she was, went to the bathroom right where she was sitting. She was absolutely surrounded by filth. Her kids wanted to get her out of that house and put her somewhere that she'd be safe and taken care of, and she refused. So they did perhaps the next best thing. They brought in a company who cleared out everything, changed the flooring, painted the walls. Same house, but clean, empty, got rid of the furniture, brought her new furniture, and then brought her into the house. And you would think that she would be overwhelmed with gratitude. She'd be so thankful. But you know what she did instead? She broke down because they had taken all of her stuff She was so attached to and comfortable somehow in her filth that when everything was cleared away, she became overwhelmed with sadness and depression. It's amazing how many of us are so connected to the trauma of our past that although we pay lip service to wanting to get better, to move forward, we find so much comfort there that we'll never let go. You need to refuse to allow the past to define you. Next, number three, replace bad behaviors with good ones. This should be self-evident. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is very simple. If you find yourselves in situations, yourself in situations where you behave badly, where you're feeling the feelings of the past, where that trauma uh, gets a voice, don't go to those places. Don't do those things. Stay away from those situations. But don't just avoid. Put new behaviors and new uh, things into your life. Stay away from the bad, replace it with the good. Take bad behaviors, replace those with good. I'll let you unpack that. But it's so important that we don't simply run away from the hurt, the pain, and the bad, but that we replace it with those things which are good. Number four, restore the relationships that have been lost in the wake of trauma. If you've experienced trauma in your life, chances are you've hurt other people in the process of sorting through that and dealing with it and working through it. And if you've hurt other people, as you begin to make progress, you begin to move forward, you need to intentionally restore the relationships that have been lost. Now, you can't cause other people to forgive. You can't cause other people to come into a place of restoration if you've hurt them. But you can do your part. There's so much healing in that. John chapter 20 and verse 19. This is such a great passage. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. 
Jesus had been crucified. The disciples watched their Savior, the one they had spent the last three years with, murdered, and they scattered. In fear, maybe shame, they didn't want to be recognized. There was a tremendous, traumatic event that came into their lives. He was buried. They met together in a closed room, a locked door, keeping the outside world outside. The Bible tells us when Jesus rose from the dead, he went and found them. And he revealed himself to them. He restored a relationship. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. There is joy that comes when broken relationships are restored. How do I refuse to be broken? If I could put it simply, I'd say this. Choose life. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record uh, to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. That both thou and thy seed may live. Choose life. If you're hanging on to the chain of the past, if you're allowing trauma to have a voice in your life, you've chosen to stay where you are and die, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, even though you may be breathing air. Choosing life is choosing to put one foot in front of the other and march. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come, Jesus said, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Listen to me. It is not God's will that we would have a life free from storms all the time, but that we would have abundant, joy-filled life even while the storms rage around us. God has a plan for us in the storm, not just a plan to get through the storm. It's amazing how trauma loses its grip when we bring it out of the dark and let it see light. In fact, in so many cases, trauma exposed will transform from a chain that limits you and God's work through you to a redeemed tool used to give hope and healing to others who are broken. Listen to me, you won't forget it. You won't get over it. You will have to choose daily that it will not have a grip on you, but you can choose you are not broken i love this truth so much a lot of information there but if you will lean into an understanding that trauma is something common to humanity and therefore common to all of us trauma is not something to be narrowly defined but it is that event or series of events that pushes us well beyond our ability to cope but understand that we can choose to move forward. We can refuse to be identified by our past. Uh, past. We can understand that God has a plan for our future. If we'll do that, it may be a daily battle and it may take a long time. But our trauma can become a story that is used for the benefit of others as God continues to work in our lives. Please take some time. Don't only listen to this episode. Share this episode out with others. If there's one thing I can ask you to do, one thing, it is after you've subscribed, 
share this episode with others, invite others to listen to the March or Die podcast with you. Of course, you can find this podcast just about everywhere. And I would encourage you to take some time, go over to Life Audio, lifeaudio.com. That's where this podcast and many others are hosted. There you'll find this, of course, the March or Die podcast. You'll find other great shows uh, dealing with so many wonderful topics, all from a faith focus, a faith perspective. And I would encourage you to go and check that out. Very grateful for Life Audio. And uh, I hope that you'll listen to some of those other shows. I'll remind you as we finish today, the same thing I remind you every single week in life. When the bullets are coming your direction, and certainly they do, when it feels like the world is blowing up around you, and maybe you're struggling to move beyond the past, remember, you only have two choices. You can choose to stay where you are and die. That's a decision that you can make. Or you can choose to march. Putting one foot in front of the other, getting to a place where you can better deal with the enemy and experience the victory that God has prepared for you. What are you going to do? Will you march or will you die? The choice is always yours. Thank you for listening. I look forward to talking to you. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.